Welcome to Bound by Books, a podcast of five authors across multiple genres talking about the one thing that we are all bound by, books. Today I'm joined by my co-host, Sherry Hayes, and we are talking taboo topics. Hello, Tina. How are you today? Doing all right. How about yourself? Oh, I am here. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know what you're talking about that. It really has been that kind of week. I, I'm not really sure why, but uh, maybe I think there might have been a full moon like here recently. Maybe it just hasn't gotten aligned yet. <laughs> I think so. Full moon, maybe some Mercury. I don't know, going retrograde. Like I don't know what's happening, but it, it's been a it's been a week. <laughs> it it really has been, but it fits in with our topic. It's the perfect week, time. Perfect time to it talk really, about the taboo. <laughs> it really is. It is it's perfect. So taboo topics, which we were kind of a little chatting about this a little before we, we went on air here mm-hmm. and it can cover quite a bit of different subject matter. I mean, taboo is, is really broad. Right. And it can be a bit subjective. <laughs> I mean, you know, discounting the things so. that we probably all agree is taboo. There's some topics in there and some tropes specifically in romance that some would consider taboo. And um, you happen to write a little bit of those <laughs> topics. <laughs> I do. Yes. Uh, BDSM is definitely considered a, a taboo subject and even more so, um, the dubious consent, mm-hmm. which I do play with a little, I'm not a huge dubious consent person, like as far as a fan of reading that, uh, but I do ride that line just a little bit when it comes to my Finding Anna series, especially in the first couple of books. So, I mean, but dubious consent is a huge, huge taboo trope in sure. the romance genre. I mean, it, especially when you start getting into, um, I would say even more so into BDSM. Mm-hmm. the subgenre of BDSM, because there is that, that level of, you know, do they really want to, they're going along with it, but do they really want to, or do they not? Right. And it almost goes back to, I know I've heard some people talk about it and they're talking about like how for the submissive, especially when it's a female submissive, mm-hmm. that almost gives them permission to you know delve into their sexuality where they're not really consenting mm-hmm. which I think is kind of odd that's not my cup of tea but but I do kind of understand it because you're you know you're depending on how you were brought up mm-hmm. you could you know you could have been brought up to to be like oh no this is how you're supposed to be in the bedroom as a woman <laughs> You know, you're supposed to be out this way and not this way. Uh, and, you know, with BDSM, it's it's very, it's a lot more delving into those more taboo sexual mm-hmm. things. And so having that dubious consent kind of gives them that, you know, I guess, permission unspoken or... permission. Yeah. Yeah. yeah explore but... something that they wouldn't necessarily explore. Which kind of brings us to the idea of 
what is the responsibility of the author? And I feel like in author circles, we have this conversation a lot, but we don't talk to readers about it so much. So I wonder for you specifically in writing BDSM, do you have your own line as to what is your responsibility to your reader? Do you have a responsibility to your reader as far as taboo tropes or we'll get into trigger warnings in a bit, but do you feel like the author has any specific responsibility? That is a very good question. I do think they have a certain responsibility, um, but my my view is more trying to portray, especially if you're portraying a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That I guess that's that's more, especially because I do write BDSM. I'm very particular in trying to depict that lifestyle somewhat accurately. Now mm-hmm. that is a again subjective thing to a certain extent. Because once you get past the very basics of informed consent and safety, mm-hmm. you can practice BDSM pretty much any way you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way Stefan and Brianna practice it in my Finding Anna series is very different to how um, Beth and Drew or Alexander and Grace practice it in my Serpent's Kiss series, in my two books, right. my Serpent's Kiss series. Very, very different because the characters are very different. Mm-hmm. Brianna and Stefan, Stefan is experienced in BDSM. Brianna is coming from a very traumatic situation. So she has a lot of, um, she has PTSD. She's dealing with things like that. So their BDSM practice is more focused on the dominance and submission. It's very much focused on the mental aspects, the emotional Mm -hmm. aspects of BDSM. Whereas, you know, Beth and Drew and Alexander and Grace, those are two very different cases where they don't have the trauma in their past. And so they are figuring out their relationship it's a little more physical (laughs) and, you know, dives into a little more of the kink than (laughs) things, but both ways, I, I'm very much of the things of trying to be as realistic as possible, which is why I have alpha readers that I use to make sure that my BDSM is accurate, but I'm using them more to make sure that my scenes are correct, that I'm not doing something like I'm not, you know, tying somebody's hands or legs or stretching their bodies in some way that is going to cause would, would in a, would in a realistic setting cause injury Mm -hmm. uh, or, or something to that effect. I'm not really having them read it to say, Oh, well, that person wouldn't do that. You know, that, right. that person wouldn't want to do that. They would, they would, they wouldn't react that way in that situation because mm-hmm. to me, that's more character focused and that's more in line with me as making that decision of knowing the characters as an author versus, you know, something that's very situationally specific as far as BDSM. So the, for you there, the responsibility is more about the accurate portrayal of the lifestyle than necessarily something to give your readers. Like you're not writing a BDSM guide for readers. So you want to make sure that it's accurate, 
but you're not necessarily drawing lines based on measures that would be taboo for a reader. Right. Exactly. Like I, I would not be, I would not really be looking to for a specific person accuracy. Like I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be looking to mimic a specific person because to me, all of my characters are very individual. I don't write cookie cutter romances Mm -hmm. because I'm a pantser. (laughs) I do not. I just know sometimes where my characters are going when I start it. So I am very much just, just letting the characters, I mean, I know that I kind of know their backstory. I I kind of get to know my characters within the first few chapters and I know, you know, what their backstory is, Mm -hmm. where their person, you know, where the personalities and stuff are. And I let that guide me. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I go, I go in that direction. Now you tend to stick to, I won't say mainstream tropes, but you get into shifters, which are a whole new, (laughs) unique kind of taboo type thing because you touch, you kind of ride that line on the bestiality issue. Right. So, so we talked about this, Marianne and I, a little bit in our paranormal podcast. There's always this line with any type of shifter that is the, we'll say, intimate scenes going to have any of the shifter nature. Now, the reality is they're shifters. So yeah, it does have that, whether it's just the animalistic growl or the alpha-like mentality, you know, there is certain aspects to it that are going to ride the line. And for some people, that's going to come across as a taboo topic. For me, it's it's not an issue. And I personally don't feel that it's the author's responsibility to dictate the reader's fantasy or expectations, right? So I'm going to write the story that is coming to me and that my characters are saying needs to be written. I don't feel a particular ownership of how it's received, right? So the, the reader can interpret it any way that they feel. I, I've never been one that's um, like disappointed or upset by one star reviews. Honestly, if that's your feeling, that's your feeling. And just like your response has nothing really to do with me, right? The book is written as it's written. So no, I don't feel that personal responsibility for the reader. And I certainly don't judge people for their fantasies, whatever fantasies, as long as you're not hurting anybody, hopefully not hurting yourself, unless that's your thing. <laughs> I was going to say, there are, there are singing out there that do particularly like that. Yes. Yes. If that's yes. your thing, that's your thing. But, um, you know, as long as you're not seriously hurting yourself or you're not hurting anybody right. else, then, then do you boo. <laughs> Oh, well, that's interesting. So have you ever written a scene, a shifter scene where the the shifter is more in animal form than in human form? Or do you kind of keep it because of, because we know that, you know, Amazon and some of the other retailers are kind of picky about that. Mm-hmm. So do you kind of keep, do you kind of keep that line leaning the one way because of that or or do you kind of just let the characters dictate and kind of let the cards fall where they may 
I mean, I never have. It's just also not my thing. Like no judgment to if that is your thing. It just doesn't happen to be my thing. And I know that there are authors out there who have written shifters who go more towards the animalistic side. I just haven't. No characters have come to me that have been like that. But on the flip side, you know, I am getting into sci-fi romance and aliens are a whole other thing because aliens can be whatever from interesting appendages to all kinds of things in your imagination that would very much fall on the taboo side if they were human in any real capacity, if we consider them human. I mean, even the idea of sleeping with an alien is (laughs) kind of a taboo topic. I will be very honest. I have never read read a sci-fi romance. I've read science fiction before. (laughs) I've read science fiction before, but I have never read a sci-fi romance. So I'm I'm a little intrigued as to this whole fascination with the aliens. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I mean, I, I had this, I had a sci-fi phase in my teenage years where I, I really like sci-fi, sci-fi in general. I was reading s- this new Star Wars, you know, books and, mm-hmm. um, dune and things like that i mean i was all into that and then i kind of as i got more into romance that just kind of fell off Mm -hmm. the radar i was like nah i i prefer the romance we'll go in that direction and i read a lot of historical romance at first and then i kind of just gradually kind of gravitated more towards the contemporary and i've stayed that way for years and years and years but yeah, that's that's very interesting. I didn't even think when we were when we were kind of first talking taboo how the alien thing would would drive that in home with the taboo because yeah, you <laughs> really interesting with that. I mean, hmm. there's there's the Blue Aliens, which is Ruby Dixon's uh, Ice Planet Barbarian series, which is older, has taken the book talk community on TikTok by absolute storm. I, I've never quite seen anything like it. I forget when the first book was written, but it, it is definitely one that has been out several years and they bumped it up to number one in the charts very quickly just by you know, osmosis of people being interested in these blue aliens from seemingly nowhere. And that considerably is probably on the tamer side there's aliens that range the gamut most of them of course are humanoid and and we're talking about human-like qualities but some of them certainly go a whole other realm and if if shifters are uh skirting the line then then some of these aliens are jumping right over it (laughs) very very interesting so i guess that's a good segue into trigger warnings which is a Mm. hugely debated topic in the author world yes hugely debated topic now where do you fall on that because i have my own feelings on this i'm kind of curious as to where you fall on trigger warnings i don't know anymore (laughs) (laughs) i mean i go back and forth with this all the time as to whoever makes a good argument because Mm. for me I mean, I grew up as a huge horror movie fan, right? I've literally seen most horror movies from the 80s onwards from the time I was 10 years old. So I can't imagine trigger warnings 
unless they're including everything. Because if it's just a trigger warning about something abusive or something um, taboo sexually, then what about all the warnings for outrageous violent acts, right? If you yeah. read a historical fiction book that's that's set in World War One or World War II, like one of our co-hosts has, um, are you gonna have trigger warnings for all those things? Because that's a really brutal, horrific time. So the, the trigger warning aspect is difficult because just like taboo topics, I feel like triggers are very personal to the individual and to the reader. Some of course, I think like, for example, um, sexual abuse, right? Could be a trigger for a lot of people or a wide majority, but at the same time, you don't know what that individual experience is. So even within that topic, something might trigger me that might not trigger another person and vice versa. What do you think about yeah. it? Yeah, um, I actually am pretty close to where you are actually. Um, I'm not a huge fan of trigger warnings. I do, I, I pretty much believe that they should be used very sparingly. Mm. And I think that they should be used when the they come up unexpectedly in a story um for example i only have one book that has a trigger warning on it and mm -hmm. i have no plans to put it on any of the other books um in my stories even though i do have bdsm and, and things like that um however the one i do have it on is where is the book where she really dives in where brianna really dives into her abuse that mm -hmm. happens where mm -hmm. she really has a lot of flashbacks and we're not just talking about her thinking about it we're talking about her reliving it mm. on the page for you to see mm -hmm. and you know she's having nightmares about it or she's getting pulled back in you know something it triggers her in, in the situation and she's getting pulled back into that that scene in her head and she's reliving it so you're reliving yeah. it with her on the page event. yeah exactly mm -hmm. now and so and there were quite a few of them if it would have just been one scene i probably wouldn't have put the trigger warning in there right but it happens quite a few times in the story and it, it that particular book in the series really the whole most of the story itself is about her getting kind of starting to move past that, mm. starting to move past what she did. So she has to face it. She has to deal with it, things like that. So it really is a hardcore dive into her trauma. Right. And I was like, you know, I'm really thinking that if somebody, you know, if, even if they've read the other two books in the first two books in that series, and they know mm -hmm. what she's been through, it's a little bit different to be reading about it in the superficial or the, like this, her just telling stuff and what happened to her versus right. diving into her head and, you know, having, you know, reliving it. Yeah. So, much more visceral. Right. Exactly. And it was, I mean, to write it, it was just like, I mean, cause I had to take, like, I had to basically get into Brianna's head mm -hmm. to write this and have all this, you know, like kind of like see all this stuff happening to her and put it down on the page. So it was very traumatic for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I, t I told my publisher at the time, I was like, yeah, I think I, I think I'm going to put a, um, a trigger warning on this one just 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 to say hey 
this dives into some, you know, sexual abuse and some, you know, graph in graphic detail. And I, mm-hmm. I just want people to kind of know, but on the flip side, I've also seen trigger warnings on this book contains a happily ever after. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, you know what? You brought that up. I, I recall this so much because this was a huge argument as to cliffhangers needing like a trigger warning for a cliffhanger. Yes, what the heck? Like who is going to be, tri- you might be annoyed if there's a cliffhanger, but who's going to yeah. be triggered in the, in the sense that you are experiencing trauma in the sense that you are li- reliving something that is traumatic for you. Like cliffhangers are not traumatic. <laughs> They're just annoying. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, it just, it, it almost seems like we have moved past to past the trigger warnings being used for extreme graphic violence or sexual content or, um, you know, something of that nature mm-hmm. to the, you know, this book doesn't contain cheat or this book contains cheating oh, or yes. this book contains, I'm like, what? Yeah. Come on. Also really? imagine, okay. So you write BDSM. Imagine if you had to put a warning on each of your books saying things like, there are, you know, power play dynamics in this book. Like, duh, it's BDSM. Like certain yeah. things you should know and expect as a reader of a particular genre, you're going to experience. I don't think spelling right, it but, all out right. makes sense. Well, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like, can we spoil the story for you? Exactly. You know, I, I don't understand that. So I, it's the whole read. That's really the reason why I didn't put a trigger warning on any of the other books in my Finding In A series, because even though, you know, it's the same characters, because Mm -hmm. spoiler alert for those of you who do not know and are listening, it is a serial series. It's my one and only serial series. So it's Mm -hmm. currently five books, possibly another one coming in the future. Um, But it's right now it's five books that can follow the same characters. Mm -hmm. And so you start from the beginning, you have to read them in order. Um, and it's, you know, she, she comes from a situation where she was a sex slave for 10 months. She was held captive. She was, all these horrible things were done to her, but I didn't put, you know, she was in a very bad place when she, when the first book starts, she's a very mm-hmm. bad place. So with trigger warnings that have things that are, I don't want to say not serious, because obviously things like cheating can be serious or traumatic to the person that experienced it, but things that are not as universally taboo, for lack of a better word, right? Or not as universally painful. What is the obligation of the author to the reading community. Like, I think we both agree that it seems on the extreme side or when we feel something is very traumatic, that we do have some type of responsibility to warn the reader. Would you say Mm -hmm. that's true? Yeah, but I do think that it is a more of an extreme type Mm -hmm. situation. I, I think that unfortunately there has been this oversensitivity of Mm -hmm. trying to warn of anything that might be disturbing to anyone. Right. And I I think that it is taking, it's almost taking away from the, um, experience, the spontaneity. 
Well, yeah, the spontaneity, the experience Mm -hmm. of that, because when I go into reading a book, you know, I'll be honest, I'm not a big fan of cheating. I don't Mm -hmm. particularly, now there are exceptions, you know, if somebody's spouse is a piece of crap and, you know, beats them and stuff like that, and they find somebody who treats them like a queen and Mm -hmm. they don't, maybe they're scared of leaving their spouse or something like that then I may not be crazy about it, but I can kind of, it doesn't bother me as much, I guess, is what I'll say. Um, And I can, I can handle that if it's, if it's woven into the story well, but even though if I encounter it and it's a situation that I don't like, or I'm not, guess what? I just stop reading. Mm -hmm. I move on to something else. Right. And And it doesn't really matter. That's the response. And that's me. That's where the issue is, right? To me, it feels like it is the responsibility of the individual reader to know themselves and what they're comfortable with or not. Right. So I'll give you an example in in horror movie world, right? There is a, a site that is called does the dog die? Because on a universal level, people are totally fine in horror seeing all kinds of, uh, teenagers specifically I always say teenagers as a former high school teacher or the the blonde <laughs> the blonde the ditzy blonde the ditzy I mean come blonde. on how many ditzy blondes <laughs> have have gotten you know chased into the woods and you right. know hacked up over the years and horror or movies, up the yeah. stairs or down the basement still don't understand that one but <laughs> yes we're, we're totally on a universal level okay with this but if the dog gets it we are not But that doesn't mean that every movie has a trigger warning that the dog dies. This is a community of people who are horror movie fans who got together and said, you know what? This is a thing that seems to bother a lot of us. So we're going to create this whole website and database so that you can go to it and see. But it was not the producers. It was not the directors. It was not the writers of those films who said we need a trigger warning. It was the community of watchers. So for me, it would feel like beneficial if it was the readers who as a community who agreed, hey, we have an issue with XYZ and we want to see something. But I think also right. it's it's not as universal. There's not like one universal thing that happens in romance that all of us say, okay, this is something we want to be warned about. No, no. I mean, now, I will, again, I go back to the blurb. Mm -hmm. I really do. Because if you're reading the blurb and you are paying attention, most of the time you can get at least a feel of Mm -hmm. the story that you're going to do. Like, for example, I am not a huge fan of Minaj. Mm -hmm. Just don't like it. It doesn't... I get the appeal as far as from a physicality standpoint, but Mm -hmm. from a romance standpoint, it just doesn't, it just doesn't do it for me. Sorry. I'm totally a monogamous type person. (laughs) Just doesn't do it for me. However, I have read the occasional menage and I do mean occasional, Mm -hmm. but I have read it and I can deal with it. If the story is really good, unless two of the parties are related. Okay. So I can't now, deal that. See, for you, so you would not go into a reverse harem, let's say, like I'm writing a serialized reverse harem. 
I would expect you as the reader to say, okay, this genre is reverse harem and therefore not for me. Is it then my responsibility to say like, oh, by the way, reverse harem here. Like I've already put the genre out. You already know what it is from the blurb. So putting a trigger at the bottom saying, hey, there's going to be multiple sexy men in here. Exactly. And, and it, that's a thing. I, that's a book I really wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't pick it up. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I wouldn't pick it up because I know going into it just because it's a reverse harem that I'm not going to like it. Whereas again, your blurb is going to say that your cover is going to say that. And if I see on the cover, there's two men and a woman. Okay. I'm going to read, you know, if I'm interested in the book, maybe it's by an author I like or something, I will read the blurb. Mm-hmm. And the minute I see the words brothers or cousins, <laughs> I'm out. Talk about taboo. I am out. Um, but in the same respect, I expect that to be in the blurb. Mm-hmm. I don't, or at least implied in the blurb. I don't think that that's something that really should be qualified under a trigger warning. It it almost seems like it would be redundant to say brothers, Caleb and Jesse fall for this new girl in town. And then down at the bottom, it says trigger warning, you know, (laughs) MMF sexy. I mean, come on. Right. Exactly. Really? I mean, doesn't that, the fact that there's two guys and a girl on the cover and it says these two brothers are going after this one girl, does that not tell you enough? I mean, do you really need it spelled out in black and white for you? Well, it reminds me of reviews where, you know, you have a, let's say a very steamy contemporary romance. It's clear, it's Manchester on the cover, it's clear from the blurb. Mm -hmm. And then you notoriously have reviews that will say things like um, too much sex. Or, or too many, yes. too many um, graphic details, or I'm offended by the word, mm, beep it out, you know? Yeah. I see that so often with, with all types of books, but specifically in this idea of um, being offended by things that are natural to that genre, which bothers yes. my mind. Yeah, I would agree. I, it's, I guess you could call it a pet peeve of mine. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like you. I usually let a lot of the one-star reviews roll off my back because I, I get a, I get quite a few of them for, um, for my finding in a series, just mm-hmm. because it is such a taboo topic and it's not going to be for everybody. Right. But <laughs> the ones that go into it, say when I got for my, uh, my story burning for her kiss, it's mm-hmm. a femdom novel. Okay. Female dominant male submissive right it has a woman on the cover standing over a man with his arms tied above his head okay you know what you're I don't know how I don't know how to be clear about that and I have gotten I I got a review that says I don't like femdoms that was the whole review I'm like sorry I I don't know okay I'm (laughs) I'm like I mean I it was very clear in, I mean, not only on the cover, but in mm-hmm. the blurb, everything. It was like, I'm not sure. Okay, that's fine. You don't like femdoms. Right. Then why, why are you reading did you read? <laughs> Why did you read it? Why did you pick it up? I'm not sure. 
That's like somebody I, going into sci-fi and saying, I don't like aliens or in paranormal. I don't like vampires yes. or sisters. It just doesn't make sense. So, okay. Don't read, don't, yeah, don't exactly. read that book. There are a lot of books out there that you can, you can get. <laughs> a lot of books is an understatement. Okay. I, I have so many books on my TBR list that <laughs> I, I could read a book for the rest of the year at least. And mm-hmm. I still probably wouldn't run out of books. Exactly. That's already on my Kindle app. I mean, it's not like, you know, there's something out there for everybody. So if it's not the genre for you, then, then skip it. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think you and I kind of talked a little bit, like I'm not a huge fan of shifters either. Mm -hmm. I, I've read a couple of them, but they're just not my cup of tea really. Um, I don't, I know some people love that animalistic, you know, type of side, which is fine. That's mm-hmm. your, that's what you like. I also don't happen to be really into like, this is, I don't like, I don't like Jane Austen. I have tried oh, to read three no. different books of Jane Austen. Oh no. Not... The audience. Goodbye, everybody. Yes. <laughs> yes. I know. Everybody's like, everybody I tell that to, they're like, what? Mm-hmm. How can you not like Jane Austen? I'm like, I have tried, I have tried to read three different books of Jane Austen's and because everybody's like, oh, you have to, she's a classic. I love Jane Eyre. I read Jane Eyre. Mm -hmm. I love Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre is brilliant. But I just, the pacing and the Mm -hmm. writing style, I just cannot get into, to Jane Austen. And that is such a, I mean, that's almost a taboo subject in (laughs) itself. Yes, not uh, not getting into certain classes, but I feel like that's true of a lot of canon books, a lot of classic novels. There are going to be some that people love and defend to death, and there's going to be others that you're just like, nah, not for me. But that's the beauty of books is that literally yeah. there is something for everyone. So. How do you feel about the DNF, about the did not finish or do not finish rating? Um, okay, so I'm kind of of a mixed bag of that. As an author, I hate it. Exactly. <laughs> absolutely hate it. However, as a reader, most of the time, if I just see enough something, I just let it go. I right. just, I'm like, but I guess to me, it's almost, it's a, it's a why I did, I DNF'd it. Mm-hmm. Okay? So if I DNF'd it because I just wasn't really liking the story, I, you know, you know, it just wasn't for me. Or if mm-hmm. it's like, say it has like the cheating in it, or, mm-hmm. you know, it mm-hmm. has brothers or whatever. It has something that I personally just don't, I just don't like. It's not my cup of tea then I usually just DNF and move on. You know, right. I just don't, you know, whatever. I'm fine. Now there are occasions when I have DNF something and I have left a, re- a rating on it. And Ella. that is when. <laughs> it's coming. That I is... feel it. <laughs> I know. I know. But that is when the editing is so bad oh, that I cannot. Is get through it i just oh i can't i i was just like are you or there's something in there that but usually i will not do it unless the editing is just horrendous and Mm -hmm. i mean if i'm if i i have read a few books and granted 
not that many, but I have read Mm -hmm. a few books where I can't even get off the first page without there being a major editing issue. Oh, and I'm like, okay, I'll, (laughs) I'll, I'll give you that one. And then you keep reading and you're like, okay, two more pages in. Um, okay. There's another one and okay. Another page in, we got another, and and it just keeps going and it's, and it just starts. And for my, it's that writer mind. Mm-hmm. Do you have that too? That yes. writer mind where it's yes. like, you can't turn off that inner editor. Oh my gosh. Yes. <clears throat> but I mean, for some stuff, yes. Separate. But like for, for like a, a spelling issue or a word choice or a grammar, like anything copy edit related, I can kind of forgive. It's when there's like the big glaring content stuff. That really gets to me, unless that the copy editing is just so horrendous or the grammar issues are so plentiful. But for the most part, I can kind of forgive it. But when it's the huge like developmental thing, like you you have a character going in one direction and then they do something so egregious that's outside of what their character would do, those mm-hmm. kinds of things are are a problem for me. Yeah, I I mean, well, yeah, I've I've had that. I've some of my biggest pet peeves and it comes to um reading it's one of the reasons I don't read a whole lot of BDSM fiction mm-hmm. because in I find a lot of it is either repetitious or mm-hmm. it is it blurs the lines of what is realistic mm-hmm. too much for me okay like uh, something will happen and I'll just be like that would never oh. happen in a healthy there's a certain Dynamic. book out there that, that blurs <laughs> that line a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I actually stopped reading that. I, I read it when it was fan fiction. Mm-hmm. And it will be the book that shall not be named, but <laughs> most people will know what I'm talking about. But I read it when it was fan fiction. And I am told that I made it into what is now the second book. Mm-hmm. But there's a specific scene in the story where I, I was able to suspend disbelief, you know, every time there was something happened. Okay. Okay. It's fiction. I can do that. And then something happened. Then there was this one scene and I was like, Nope, you have crossed the line for me. (laughs) I'm done. Right. And I stopped reading the fan fiction. I never picked Mm -hmm. up the books. I have no idea how the story ended, but I just, the, the suspension of disbelief, I guess that's the thing it's it's there's a there's a point there's Mm -hmm. there's suspension of disbelief and then there is that jumping over the line where it's like yeah I can't suspend suspend my disbelief anymore um but that makes sense and when I became an author I personally decided not to leave like bad reviews I just won't leave a review if even if it's three stars which I consider a middle of the road review right I'll only do four or five stars for things that I really enjoyed and that's just from a colleague perspective so not for any other reasons and each author makes that choice for themselves but for me DNF is actually really hard not so much to be giving a book a DNF but for me to actually stop reading a book because even if it has a glaring issue, I have to know, has this, does this improve? Like I have to know the ending. It's this awful, awful thing where I could probably count on one hand how many books I've actually walked away from. So I have read so many books that 
I shouldn't have, that I should have stopped reading because of this ridiculous thing that I need to know. And most of the time, if there's a glaring issue in the beginning, of course, it's going to continue throughout the book. It's just going to take you out of the story. Um, But I have not solved this personal problem of mine of having to finish every book I pick up. (laughs) Yeah, well, I will say that I... I kind of used to be like that where I really mm-hmm. didn't, didn't like to not finish a book, but I got to the point where, especially once I started writing and kind of getting on deadlines and things like that, I'm like, you know, I really don't have time to be spending, you know, reading a book that I hate right. that I'm forcing myself to read. See, this is my English background because I was a student. I have a bachelor's and a master's in English. So this was the background of you have to read it even if you hate it, even if it's 19th, 18th century dribble that you don't want to read that's describing a teacup for 20 pages. No, you must read Oh, <laughs> I hate that. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if you, I, I, miss, I know you, uh, you were kind of going, actually, I don't remember. I remember I was talking about this in, one of the other podcasts, but mm-hmm. there was a book that we were required to read in high school. I believe it was our junior year of high school. Okay. I cannot remember the name of, I can see the cover plain as day in my head, but I cannot, I mean, I, I know what it looks like, but I can't, I think it's called like a separate place or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the first six pages were a, a young man standing on the street corner describing what he sees oh and I'm like I mean I mean we're talking about the cracks in the sidewalk the window panes Mm -hmm. the leaves on the trees I'm Mm -hmm. like and I hate that I was just like nope and that is one of the things that will turn me off a book so fast is over description I don't mind I I want you to just set the scene for me and I've been told the crazy thing is is I've been told by readers that I write really good descriptions. Mm-hmm. Like I like my my books are really descriptive, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't. I'm <laughs> like, I, I don't. Even, <laughs> well, the thing is, I don't think they are because I sit there and I'm I'll write half the time. I don't tell you what a person looks like, my, mm-hmm. what my main characters look like beyond maybe their eye and hair color, and if they're, you know tall and broad shoulders or broad shouldered or lanky or you know I give very you know basic you know descriptions (laughs) of my characters and even the scene I can be like you know they walked into a room and you know it had you know blue carpet or something stupid I mean I give like a couple of little details maybe in a sentence or two as Mm -hmm. to what the room looks like or where they're at that's all I give yeah, I there's know, some but, um, um, time periods and parts of the world where that has been a more popular thing to do in literature is to be super descriptive. Um, I think we've moved away from that now. I hope so, because it is not my it is not my jam either. I don't. Yeah, I, it's given that I stick pretty close to the contemporary romance genre. Mm-hmm. I don't know if like I know that literary fiction tends to be much more detail oriented as far Mm -hmm. as descriptions go I'm not sure if that has moved away or if that's still the case but um I know even as of 10 years ago when I was reading some more literary fiction with a book club that I was in that it was 
it was still very, very descriptive for the most part. Yeah, literary fiction in general is definitely going to be much more descriptive than commercial fiction. But as far as like, like I said, 20 pages to describe a teacup. And I am not exaggerating, by the way. It was 20 pages. Oh, I believe you. (laughs) I totally believe you. (laughs) Totally believe you. Totally believe you. Yes, yes. Like I said, I, there are some, like you said, there's some points in history for, well, Charles Dickens is a perfect example. Oh, Lord. (laughs) I mean, he was paid by the word. So so an example of of me not being a fan of classics, there's, there's, you found the one. (laughs) Hey, we can agree on that because yes, I, I have, I tried to read some of Charles Dickens when I was, you know, because I was like, okay, it's a classic, you know, I need to, I I need to read some classics, but I want to listen, tried it. I was like, no, no, not happening. (laughs) Yeah. I I got better again. There's just too many good books out there to read to, to read stuff you're not gonna like and that I think is a perfect place for us and there are too many good books out there to read books you don't like you got it you (laughs) got it yeah man the time just flew today like it always seems to do whenever we do these podcasts so which is awesome we have plenty to talk about so well thank you all for listening I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and I hope that you will uh, join us every week at noon Eastern time, our podcast airs on Spotify, Log Talk Radio, and SoundCloud. And uh, so you can kind of find us in a bunch of different places. Where can do you we wanna... find you, Sherry? Where, where? <laughs> I was going to say, inside me. Uh, <laughs> you can find me at uh, Uh You can find all links to all of my social media over there, as well as the sign up for my newsletter, which is the best way to make sure that you do not miss any of my new releases, uh, my sales or my giveaways. Cause I tell my newsletter newsletter subscribers there first. Awesome. Uh, and Tina, what about you? You can you find me at www.tinamoss.com and all of my social media is at author Tina Moss. And if you do happen to like Paranormal Reverse Harem. I have a, a fae inspired fantasy right now. Episode three is going up um, as we record. So by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be up and you can get that on my Patreon or on Amazon Vela. Yeah, Kendall Vela. You're going <laughs> to dive into that there, that reverse harem. There you go. If you like, if you <laughs> like that, topic. if you like those taboo things. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all again for listening. And I hope you will join us next next Monday for the next episode of Bound by Books. Thanks for listening.